Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAs. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about RHA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show got it got it zoom hey guys welcome back to the show i'm joined by one of my favorite like sorry if other clients are listening but one of my favorite clients heidi sharon am i saying sharon right because that's how i say it Sure, it's okay. It's a tough one. It's pretty close, pretty close. Um, 
we I'm kind of I'm keen to have this one I've actually been working with Heidi for a really long time and it's funny that I haven't and she's had her period back for a long time too technically but I'm excited to be having her on now because it's not like she's gonna share her story but it's not one of those things where it's like hey she started doing this like one thing and she got her period back and now we're going to share this wonderful success story because as many of you have heard me say it just doesn't stop at the bleed and there was a lot of things that actually happened and needed to happen even though she got her she got one period so I'm going to let her take over and introduce herself and we're going to dive into that kind of cryptic vague opening that I just gave you in more detail. So, <laughs> hey, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, Danny. So uh, I love that cryptic vague opening. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we'll dig straight in, but uh, I'm Heidi. I'm 35 now. Um, I am a CrossFit coach and just regular coach by trade. So this has been a part of the journey for sure. Um, I started working with you, I think it must have been around February, sometime around then, um, to try to recover my period. I had been on hormonal birth control for something like 19 years, as many of us have been since teenagers, um, and that actually masked the HA that I showed up with. So I had a year past gone on the mini pill in response to, hey, maybe I should stop dosing my body with so many hormones, see what it does naturally. And I didn't have a cycle at all because I didn't have a withdrawal bleed. I didn't have um, anything. And I just thought it was normal. You know, you read up on side effects and it's like 10% of women don't have that. So I thought that was pretty normal. Came off the mini pill to, again, see what my body would do when it was time to potentially consider not being horrified at having a family, but uh, came off the pill and nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. I waited my requisite three months, nothing mm -hmm. happened. And then uh, thus started the journey of trying to figure out what was going on. So fast forward to today, I think I've had, I don't know, seven, eight cycles, something like that. I've I've had my period back for a significant amount of time. Um, still working on it. Where did you first hear about HA? Like, were you just Googling why is my period missing or what, what happened? Totally. So once the doctor prescribed the uh, progestin or progesterone challenge, um, I started Googling what happens if it succeeds, what happens if it fails? And it's like, okay, well, there's that. And then we did a second challenge. It was the estrogen and progesterone and that worked. And so there were some guidelines on, Hey, if one worked, one didn't, maybe it's a hormonal imbalance. It didn't seem to be a physical blockage or what the other option was. Um, so then that took me down the rabbit hole and I was like, why don't I have my period? So I went Googling. Um, ultimately stumbled across your podcast and specifically the episode, I think it was a, a CrossFitter who had lost her period, gotten it back. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was your, it was your special, like your special edition that had just came out like oh, two yeah. days prior. I was like, what? This is amazing. I need to call this person. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because um, it's like, it's more spoken about to like runners and people with eating disorders and not just people who yeah. do CrossFit a lot and stuff like that. Yeah. To be clear, I'm not in a small body. 
Like mm-hmm. I, I have always uh, been a beefier CrossFitter. I describe myself as someone ready to like push a plow in the fields as opposed to someone who's, you know, light and airy. I'm not a gazelle. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. I feel you. Um, that's helpful context for people to know yet too. Yeah. Like this is part of the reason it confuses so many people is because we just like physically don't identify our body with someone who, yeah. um, you know, fits the criteria for yeah. thing things that like this that happen to ladies so okay so you figured it out um that this was the problem and at what point did you start like making your first change was it nutrition change was it an exercise change what happened there yeah so if we rewind back to middle of kind of going through this with my doctor so shortly after it so I went off the the pill entirely September 1st of 2020 So over a year ago, nothing happened, right? At the time I had been working on nutrition. I was pretty lean, like lean, but still, you know, 155 pounds. Like I, I was, I was heavier than most. So I didn't really think that was an issue. She didn't think it was an issue, but then I was like, I'll back off of this. I'm going to stop tracking. I'm going to ease up on things a little bit, see if my body can de-stress because that was a big component of it. So that was the first thing. And I wouldn't say I made any conscious changes other than like, Hey, let's not, um, be so diligent about these macros. Let's not be so diligent about eating for this specific goal. Priorities are shifting. Let's figure this out. Um, So that was probably the first thing. And then just trying to work through environmental stress, right? So, hey, you know, I had a stressful day at work. Don't then go train two hours on top of it or train an hour. I think at that point, I wasn't training anything crazy, but um, those were the first two very small changes that I made. Just How long did you just like stick with those before being like, eh, maybe, I, maybe this is also not enough. Yeah. A few months. So mm-hmm. kind of backed off in September, nothing happened between then and December when we did, you know, the blood work, the, the hormone tests, etc. And then I still rolled with that. My, my doctor was like, Hey, let it go another few months. Let me know if it hasn't come back. So I went another probably month and a half two months. And I was like, all right, this is enough. I, this is too much. Let's, let's start to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So in February, when we had our first meeting, you hadn't had a period yet or you had, yeah, you hadn't yet. I remember our first call and we, we just like went to the basics. Right. And you were just like, stop drinking coffee. Yeah, that was one. Um, yeah. So drinking coffee and eat more mm-hmm. is where we started. Was there mm-hmm. anything else specific that you remember? Sleep was an issue for you. Sleep's always an issue. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I was like, prioritize it more. Try not to go crazy with it. And I think I had cut way back on training as well at that point. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, 
I'm not opposed to this. It hasn't worked to, to reel it back. So I'm going to put a strategy in place. So I cut training back and had some filters on my own end. Like, Hey, if you keep it below this level, it should be fine. A few days a week yeah. participate. And I remember I had a lot of bobbles in that first few months. I had, a, I had a few incidents. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was mostly, Hey, I'll get the coffee it is a problem, but it's not a problem. I'll do it because it's worth it and eat, eat more. Yeah. Yeah. And on the, so you're a CrossFit coach, right? So people are mm-hmm. think, thinking like, well, how did you manage that? And yeah. um, you did have, yeah, a few kind of techniques implementing yeah. as you went along to keep yourself from going ham in the gym, like nose breathing, that kind yep. of thing. Uh, take a sec just to give, I know, some tips to people uh, who do choose to continue moving their body, but mm-hmm. seriously need to, to step back. Yeah. So I started with nose in, nose out breathing, which was nice because it kept my intensity low. And I thought, hey, this is a really excellent way. Um, it's a filter. You know, if you're breathing mm-hmm. through your mouth immediately that you've pushed your intensity higher than you should. So that was the first strategy. And then the second strategy was if there is a workout coming up um, that you need to participate in for whatever reason. So for anyone that does CrossFit, we're in the middle of doing the open as well as uh, we had Murph that came up along the, along the way. So there were some significant gym events that I was expected to participate in or whatnot. Um, so for that, it was like, Hey, let's cut it in half right? Let's cut it into a third. I think I did a third of Murph and it was still too much, but um, resetting expectation on what success looks like. And I think ultimately what I landed on was nose only breathing. Yeah, that was great. And then just approach everything like a skill day, reset your filter. Like, Hey, I'm not doing a workout to do a workout. It has to be, Hey, this is a skill session and how my body wants to move. I love it. Um, And it's so, it's easy to say all those things, right? So how (laughs) easy was it to actually implement? Because you're good. You're very good at doing what you say you're going to do, but that doesn't make it easy. So like, let's normalize that. Yeah. It was pretty tough for a few reasons. So one, the expectation, Hey, you're in the gym all the time. People are always looking at your scores. They're kind of looking for that. (laughs) So that was mentally tough. And then I was just, fuck it, whatever, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a little tough, but in terms of taking my own advice, there were a few incidents where I did go too far. Like I could see it once I started charting that I did too much and my body is responding by dropping my temp or telling me that I did too much. And so listening to that was really helpful for that accountability. So having kind of the, you know, this is fine up until a point because my, my end goal is to restore the health of my cycle, as opposed to my end goal is to hit a PR on this workout. So Mm -hmm. that was, that was a strategy. And then just picking a movement that's fun, right? I love power cleans. So I would do a 10 minute EMOM, just working on power clean skill, not going heavy, like give myself a little bit of enjoyment where I knew that it wouldn't move the needle. Um, so yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we had started using the chart, the fam chart to like, just mm-hmm. keep an eye on symptoms and things that will show us if you're moving in the right direction or not also really helpful thing to have if someone's still exercising right so we can see uh what the impact is 
Now, I totally should have like opened all of this up before we talked, like your old charts. That's so smart of me. But did we, and I have, I have it here. I have, I have, I have most of mine. The only oh. one I don't have is that first paper chart. It's in the other room. Oh, good. I mean, I have it in that log as well that I did on your report. But did we see your, were your temperatures in the normal range from the beginning or did they start off low? I think they, they they were borderline low. They were yeah. really low 97s. So I wasn't in the 96s. And I remember like, yay, you're not in the 96s. But also it was like 97.1, 97.2. That was kind of the, the norm for me. Yeah. Okay. So for those who don't really know what we're talking about there, um, we use the chart to take your basal body temperature every morning and we just see like how's your metabolism uh essentially and if you're a little bit low then it's a sign of many things and the hunch with Heidi was just that like we're still she pushed her body hard tracked macros for a while and just like down regulated her body and it's going to take a while to shift that and until that shifts we're not expecting ovulation or a period to happen by any means so that gives us a clue about where we need to start so we could see that essentially an increase in food probably an increase in body weight um, and continued rest is going to help us make those shifts so as you improved your sleep hygiene trained less intensely and increased your food intake that crept up mm-hmm. and once that was in range and things started to look normal and you you know you felt good you were eating consistently we knew it was a matter of time before the first period came and that didn't take long yeah when did you get that one march or april i think it was i think it was march because by the time we hit um yeah it was march actually so i got Oh, it says cycle one. I found it. Hey. Uh, Yeah. So I think it was actually, it was March 13th. So it really wasn't that long until I got the first period, but man, that one was all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So then, so it begins, right? The thing that I yell from the rooftops all the time, um, you got your first period and it's like, okay, sweet. That's really exciting. And now the work begins, right? It's yeah. the, the work begins. So dude, like, where do I even start with your, do you want to tell them? Do I, should I tell them like what we were saying? So you had the next cycle, right? Was long. That, um, that first one was like 45. The second one was 50, 50 something days. So almost 60 days. So it was, it was long. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were long, uh, long follicular phases. Yep. Taking forever. Abnormal mucus patterns. Yeah. And um, my least favorite was just your like mid cycle and mid luteal phase spotting that I was just like this not cool not good not good it's not nice it's not nice it's not nice yeah so you had uh like talk a little bit about your how you experienced your period when you yeah 
I mean, even from, from then, even today, how you experience your period and a little bit about like the spotting that you would see. Yeah. So my period in general, when it came back, came back with a vengeance. However, it was super <laughs> different um, from what I remember growing up pre, pre-pill, right? So I'm negating the whole 19 years of in between, but when it came back, it was, it was really heavy, but with really light bleeding on either side. So instead of my normal, like, Hey, we're going to do this for five, six days, it was, Oh, I'm spotting for five or six days. Then I get my period and then I continue spotting. So I think end to end, it was something like, 10, 12 days where it was kind of annoying, right? There, there were a significant number of days where like, cool, is this a period? Is it not a period? What is this? And then of course my period would come about six days into the spotting. And then it would be, as I described to you, total shark week. So I had two or three days that were really, really intense. And then it would taper off beyond that. So at the time I was still having really significant cramping, really significant kind of side effects of my period, which have since more or less gone away. Um, but it was, it was pretty rough. And then there were days in the middle of my cycle where I'd be like, this is really strange. I'd get, I think there were two or three cycles where I had a little spotting my second cycle. I had like a mini period, like 20 days in, it was really weird. So yeah, that, that happened. There was less, like, you had that one shot where I was like, could that be like a miscarriage that because like Like, period ended on day 11 and then it came back day 16 Mm -hmm. through 20 yeah Yeah. and I want to iterate here too as well we confirmed ovulation every time Mm -hmm. you had ovulation so you had these high temperatures with all this bleeding in your face we can't we just like can't be having that so the last few months or few cycles many months many months, few cycles, um, have been like trying to just like check off symptom resolution. Yeah. Okay. We're seeing this, let's do this to resolve that. We're seeing this, let's do this to resolve that. So with the spotting, this was a sign that progesterone just remains low, right? We know estrogen is improving because a, you're getting a period B it's shark week. So there's sufficient, um, yep. The lining's there. The lining, (laughs) we see it. Uh, But like it's, there's not enough progesterone happening here to hold the luteal phase. Blood's leaking out. What's going on? And you're also still like not that comfortable in your body. Not that, not feeling that great. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think between you know, the beginning of doing all this. And then now it's been about probably 25 pounds that I've added. And so I wasn't moving as much or working out as much, which was a mental stress relief back in the day, but also a stressor, if I'm being honest. Um, And having gained that much weight, it's like, I'm walking around significantly heavier in stretch pants every single day. And I'm always reminded these are tighter. I don't feel great you know, it feels harder to do my job because I am so physical in my job. I'm like, wow, if I have to jog for a warm-up, this feels significantly worse. Um, but, but I think that just plays over to kind of goals and mindset. The thing I had to really remind myself is that I'm out to improve my health and my body does not 
want me to be smaller right now. Mm -hmm. And so if I keep fighting that in my head, it's just not going to serve my overall goal. So I kind of had to let go of that to worry about it, to stop worrying about it. But it, it's certainly not comfortable to have to gain a significant amount of weight. And at the time, after reading no period now what or whatever and then you know the thought of going all in and then trying to get enough calories to support my period it was like okay 2500 plus and I know being in a bigger body and being active for work it was probably going to be more I I was eating some things that didn't feel great I was just padding calories in there however I could get them and those things also made my body feel really puffy and icky and, you know, there were more pastries than there should have been in terms of how I felt. <laughs> totally. And no judgment, right? Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure I was, like, expecting my baby to come out as a croissant or, like, yeah. half croissant. Um, yeah. And I wanted you to share that. I don't know how I'm, like, just doing such a good t- job right now of, like, timing this conversation to go where I needed to go. I didn't even plan it. Good work. Um, <laughs> So the reason I you know, wanted to bring that up, right, was because when we see these cycles that are all over the joint, I like, I think a lot of people's immediate reaction is, okay, we got to go to the doctor. We got to get this blood work. Something's happening. I'm dying. I have leaky gut syndrome. Everything's, my, my life's falling apart. Um, but we can slow it down for a second and start investigating, without mm-hmm. that stuff. We have the chart, the chart showing us as a problem. We can get a vibe for like the hormones that need support here. And now that we can see what that is, let's look at your lifestyle and your nutrition and dial it in. So it was one yeah. thing for us to say, okay, ditch the coffee, eat more food, stop exercising. Let's see if your period comes back. That worked great. Yep. Uh, but you know, it wasn't, optimal I don't know you almost might as well have to a degree not have had your period yeah. at all if it's yeah like almost 50 <laughs> days apart and yeah. you're like in fetal position on the floor holding your uterus um crying yeah that's accurate yeah and like super unhappy in your body and you know not being able to participate in things that you really enjoy so when you say it like that Danny, yeah yeah <laughs> it sounds it sounds pretty miserable <laughs> yeah we don't want that no. um but we took a while to get to this point because yeah. I'll, I'd say like you were doing all the right things and I'm not a big believer of like completely change absolutely everything you're doing for the reasons of like wanting to get the most results with the least amount of work possible and wanting to know what's actually working and what's not. I don't want people to like completely change their diet if it's not necessary. So we were kind of systematic about it. And truthfully as well, like some shit was happening to you that I didn't know the answer to. Like, yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of like research. Okay, this is happening. By the next time I talk to her, I will have looked into this <laughs> and yeah. we'll try this. Um, and that was a really great experience for me personally um, to get to work with you and just see everything that can, that just doesn't match the textbook. It just doesn't match yeah. what's meant to happen. Doesn't match what everyone on um, Instagram says happens when you- No, like- <laughs> 
got your period back in two months, got pregnant. I'm like, oh, that's not me. No, like what's, so what's wrong with me? Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with you. Um, we, we looked into diet and, you know, so basically to not skip ahead here, we've had a bunch of periods where they were really long. You had super short luteal phases, you had weird bleeding, and then we would make a change like um, have you eat more carbs or something like that, yeah. right? And we would see positive progress, but there yeah. would still be something that's up. And the thing that was cool was we would try one thing and a symptom would improve. Yep. I liked that linear progress, although it was slow. Um, what was your, is that how you experienced it? That's yeah, totally. That's, that's it. And I'll only add that I had really fragile finicky ovulation as well. Mm. Like those first two cycles, uh, I had the vaccine in the middle of one and I did that. I mentioned the workout hiccup. I did Murph in the middle of the other. I was like on track to ovulate like cervical mucus, whole thing. And then like, bye, get out. Yeah. And, and that's a part of why it, um, sometimes can take longer for us too, right? Because I'm not ready to implement the next change or recommendation because, well, you had a month that like the vaccine spiked your shit or yeah. you did So you that, don't so... know the data, the data was skewed. For exactly. Sure. And so that's, that can slow things down and just is what it is, but yes. Yeah. I, I think you're accurate in how I experienced that. And I really appreciated that there was movement each month, even though it was slow, like, Hey, at least it wasn't a 60 day cycle. <laughs> like yeah. we're on to something there or, Hey, you know, my, my symptoms are improving. My period symptoms aren't as bad or all of those things tell me something is changing, which for me, it, it resonates. I'm a coach by trade. And so when, when there's progress of any sort, it's like, cool, at least I'm not the same. At least this isn't the same hole that I was in. So I see the light and I'm happy to keep on this path. And I think it also prevents the swing and why all in didn't really resonate with me. It's like, oh, you're going to stop doing absolutely everything. Well, what happens later in life when you decide to go back to all those behaviors that you haven't addressed? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think to your point, just the gradual implementation, let us know what was working and then also gave me some strategies that down the road, I, I have the variables that I know will manipulate what I need mm -hmm. them to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really the, like, which lever do you pull? Yeah, totally. You know, people need, to, we need to have, know that information and go and eat tons of burgers and fries is like not a lever. <laughs> It's not a no. lever that I have in it's my toolbox. It's not repeatable, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, but, you know, food, uh, one aspect that you did do was just like increase food from wherever you're getting it, right? So yeah. we were we were seeing progress, but we were still like getting this mid-cycle spawning or this like these yeah. short luteal phases. Cute little nine-day luteal phase. Yeah. So like dude, long follicular phases, super yep. fragile ovulation, short luteal phases, early spotting, terrible cramps, weird mucus patterns. Great. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so, so fun. And this, so, and this is success. Like if you, if you identify successes, Hey, I have my period back. I had had my period back for months at this point, <laughs> like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, success, exactly. but not optimal. Yeah, exactly. 
hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. So as we made changes, we would see shorter follicular phases, which is nice. We would see um, good ovulation. We would see a period, but we, that's kind of like, that's kind of the, the order it went in. And now when it came to resolving this luteal phase issue, this defect, essentially, this um, weird spotting, it was time to like look at the quality of food you were eating. I feel yeah. like we really focused on quantity. We did focus on macronutrients to a degree, but um, I just caught myself in the face. <laughs> but we, you were still like uh, eating high carb processed yeah. foods, right? Yeah. I think so that, just that was a big one. Packing, packing in calories where I could get them. And usually that meant like something extra at night. I'll have another bowl of cereal. I don't even remember what I was eating. It Why do was I just feel like, like it was oatmeal? Why there, there oatmeal? I always have oatmeal, but then like there was extra, like I'd have oatmeal for breakfast with egg whites and everything to mm. at least get some protein. But then I would have 
like cookies because I have a good friend who's a baker and I was like cool I will eat this entire quarter pound cookie right now because I need extra calories um and they're delicious and I love them but also not really helping <laughs> treats yes Treat monster treats. yeah yeah and it gets it gets confusing because for HA recovery we get that advice we get like calories more, eat more no matter what no matter what. Yeah. And so that can help to a degree and it's a very important aspect, but it cannot be the sole like method for recovery. And so we, it was just, it was time to touch that bit, right? Like you were consistently eating, we tried certain things and, you know, considering like other aspects, like sleep is a challenge for you to get quality sleep. Mm-hmm. That was also something that's like, well, you know, cleaning up what you eat could, could yeah. result in that. So we saw these symptoms you were having and you were at a higher body weight now that we're like, okay, yeah. this is, we don't. I'm weight restored. Yeah, <laughs> Undeniably yeah. weight restored. You are, yes. We're ready to go. What do we think might be a shift? And we decided to shift carbohydrate intake in general and increase yeah. protein. Yeah. How'd that go? It went great. It was so good. Um, so it was harder, right? So getting easy carbs is is simple. Eat a cookie, you're going to get your calories. There's zero problem with that. It's just easy to eat, eat, eat. But when you're at a higher body weight and you're trying to fuel with enough protein, not just for your body in general, but add in an active lifestyle, um, it's a lot of food. And if you've ever counted macros, usually that first day of eating enough protein for your body weight is like, Oh no. Oh no. How much chicken? Like, what do I need to do? So it requires some planning throughout the day. So some shifts like, Hey, I'm going to make sure to drink collagen with breakfast, make sure I'm at least getting 40 to 50 grams with breakfast, because there's no way I'll hit this amount by the end of the day. So we shifted more heavily toward, um, more protein and more fat which if you've ever counted macros, it's usually high protein, medium carb if you're training and then lower fat. So you can cut weight generally. And so this is a big departure from what I had done pre pre pre-HA. So more fat, which I, my body likes in general. So closer to hundred grams instead of like 65, 70 grams, significantly more protein, which again, I just had to, to plan into it. I think the other recommendation you made, you looked at my logs and you're say, saying, I don't see any root vegetables. I'm like, mm. okay, like, let's try it. So give me some parsnips and carrots, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I threw in some of that. So a little bit of that starchy carb that wasn't um, rice or rice is my go-to that wasn't rice or processed. I think that was something I I tried to do as well. So in terms of results, immediately I felt more full, (laughs) like over full to start, but then was able to plan that in. And then in terms of symptoms, like that was the turning point of where my period stopped sucking. Like they, since that point have been much less symptomatic, all of the things have kind of fallen into place on that, um, less cramping, like literally before I'd lay in bed and didn't want to get up and didn't want to do anything just like, Oh, and this last time I was like, huh, okay, this is fine. Like two out of 10 instead of eight and a half out of 10. 
So this is such a great case study, right? Because this isn't like a weird, unique thing that, oh, like that's what worked for Heidi. When we see your preovulatory phase looks good, ovulation is clear, but luteal phase is still short and there's bleeding. We know this is a progesterone issue and we know to handle that with protein. Yay. Almost always like just, it's so just protein y'all. And then it stress on the body inflammation. So it's like, okay, how is your processed carbohydrate? How's your pasta, rice, bread intake compared to your meat, fat, vegetable intake? And nine times out of 10, when I look at someone's food log, yeah, we're missing the root vegetables. Why? They're a pain in the ass to cook. They're like, they're just more effort. Um, And so it's really easy for them to go missing, but they're so important. (laughs) They're full of vitamins and minerals and nutrients that we're generally not getting from um, our leafy greens. So it was, and if you're not eating enough protein, well, then you're probably not getting those nutrients from the protein either that you could be getting from the root vegetables. So increasing all of those things, um, that's just hugely important for everyone. And so anyone listening who does have a luteal phase issue, like those are just recommendations for everyone. Yeah. So lo and behold, uh, last time, our last session two weeks ago, you um, sent me your chart and I opened it and I was just like, oh, holy <laughs> shit. It, yeah. fits, it fits on one page. It has like it had oh I should open it. it had like a 14 day luteal phase or something I think it was let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven it was 12 12 bordering on 13 I think okay. maybe it's yeah. no it's 13 13 12 or 13 one, at any rate which one am I looking at the right one is it the September to October one September to October yeah because the one, the one before the August to September, I had a full seven days of spotting before my period. Fit on one page, but full seven days of spotting. And then September to October. Yeah, it was 12. Yeah, okay. Are you talking about your luteal phase or your follicular yeah. phase? Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm talking about follicular. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. Guys, we, we get this chart. <laughs> we get this chart, and she has a 19 day follicular phase, which is really good for her. Yeah. <laughs> really good for her. Pretty yeah. common for a lot of people. The 14 days thing is like rubbish check textbook advice. Um, I We are very happy to see this. Um, yeah, that she ovulated on cycle day 20. And that's this big clear shift and all but one of 12 temperatures remain just obviously high that like that when one is just low, it's, it just doesn't matter. We just ignore it. So it's beautiful. And then on, yeah, cycle day, like, sorry, on the 13th day of the luteal phase, it comes down and she bleeds. And there's one day of significant spotting prior to the actual bleed happening so all of this is just like eight like an 80 percent massive jump in improvements 
and I actually like got teary. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. It just, it's oh, the, the mucus phase too. It was, so you had um, like your, your bleed was less intense. You did have longer spotting. There's root. This shit doesn't go hundred percent perfect overnight, but um, it was just so much better. You had like a really normal looking um, mucus phase some came it went away then it came back which explains why it was like a longer kind of 19 day phase but that's fine with me because then it rose and then your days were dry and then they just waited and then yeah it bled and it was wasn't it so nice and patient thank you for gesturing (laughs) it was yeah like it just it's it hung up high and all you did was shift this focus on processed food or this like basically lack thereof focus on quality shifted that ate more protein and voila and tell me how like mentally it feels to kind of be able to go back to quality over quantity oh it felt so much better it felt absolutely horrible to have to eat, 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 uh, like stuff that didn't make my body feel good, like cookies, just for the sake of eating more because I didn't feel like I could get in more food. Um, so shifting back to something that I knew was healthier for me, that made my body feel better, that made my stomach feel better. Like, let's be real, my energy and my poops were better. So that's always good. Um, so those, it was a significant improvement in just the day-to-day feeling, eating more in line with, you know, a healthy diet as opposed to just junk carbs as we call them. Yeah. 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 Ah, So congrats. Thanks. And so now I'm just looking at your chart from today, um, because technically we're doing this in this podcast episode slash session, (laughs) um, and you're, you're on cycle day 18 today and it looks like you saw some mucus yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It started to show up. It was a little bit of sticky. So just wait and see. Yeah. And so it's the season. It's the season. We're going to go into the next few days of mucus. Um, looks like you've been doing some training. Yeah. Is that what that so? Yeah. Yeah. And Yeah. We'll just wait and see what the, what the next one does, but kind of on track for a similar outcome, which is great. Yay. I'm so happy. <laughs> I, yeah. To see the progress cycle over cycle has been um, by far the best reassurance that I'm on the right path. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing. I think if you don't have the data to know that things are working or changing, or you don't see any change, it can be really frustrating to do things that are hard. So I'm I'm happy. I think if you didn't have any of that data, you would feel more confused. Oh, totally. Yeah. Be like, why am I, why am I doing this? Like my, my cycle is still this way, or I wouldn't know that you know I probably wouldn't know that my luteal phase is garbage or wouldn't have thought of that um certainly and yeah yeah. it would have just felt like everything was all over the place and that's what so many people they don't want to do it yet because it's overwhelming and I get it and that's why you know it go get a guide like I'll help you do it um but it's just it's you 
you'd be treading water. Yeah. I, I also think, you know, if your end goal is to get pregnant and you think you fixed your cycle because you got your period back, this is just a tale to tell you like, maybe not, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I see that if this had played out differently, if this had played out like, cool, I have my period back. Like, you know, we've been trying to have a baby for nine months, whatever it is, doctor, help me. Like, do we need to look into IVF? That's a very different, you know, set of outcomes than like, Hey, it's just something that's taking its time. Right. Cause I'm a year out of being off the pill now. So technically like this is roughly the time most people are like, Hey, phone a friend, phone a doctor, let's figure this out. And I think that what scares me most is if I hadn't had this info to understand, like you hear horror stories about failed IVF, you hear horror stories about like, Hey, your body doesn't want to accept this. Um, so this feels like the work to do. This feels like what to do. Totally. Yeah. Um, your luteal phase would not have enjoyed any kind no. of, um, forced ovulation or no. insemination. Wouldn't have helped. Yeah. It wouldn't have helped. Wouldn't have helped. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> See, this is so that, that is the moral of the story. This is what I've, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> this is why I like lie awake at night and think about so I'm just pumped for you it's not gonna be long before I mean pretty much is like because your your next goals is conception right yeah or can, yeah. can focus on that yeah finally after I I remember rewind a year I was taking pregnancy tests because my period hadn't come back I'm like I guess every two weeks I'll take one negative 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 I'm like someday like I actually know now like hey I've ovulated here's the right time frame as opposed to like well having out a period I don't know yeah yeah exactly <laughs> ah so good yeah. well congrats do you have any other parting thoughts, words, messages, things that you need to get across to the lovely ladies listening today? Mm. Yeah, I, I would say your body is different than anyone else's. You can't really judge your success based on other people's outcomes. So you hear these great stories, got my period back in one month, and then I got pregnant next cycle. And I think just remembering that your overall goal is to restore health to your body and comparison isn't really helpful. And if you feel like you're failing because you're comparing to someone else, um, I would just say, let's recheck what, what your why is and why this is important for you and try to, to remember that you're different everyone's different. Success looks like different things. And it might be this incremental growth. It might be like, great, you know, everything did fall into place perfectly, but, but your body is smart. It'll, it'll find the way. Yay. Yeah. This has been a really just nice little, like sit back and reflect on your whole journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been super tough. And like, even just from my perspective of, I don't know, like about to hop on a call and be like, what are we going to look at today? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> What's it going to be? But, but just knowing that like, there just is always, there's always like a next step and something that 
without we can try there's never like there's just no dead ends there's no dead yeah. ends and if that means getting you to redo a food log and reevaluate you know it's been a bunch of months since we last looked at it um, yeah. and basically starting a get from scratch every few months that's just what we're going to do yeah but always a next step and so yeah grateful for you thank you love it love you bye guys see ya hey there it's me danny and i want to tell you about temp drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option so many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100 after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor, and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm, and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients, because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period, and if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify your whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? 
If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending grassland nutrition beef liver capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef and my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp which is important for overall thyroid function which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.